Well, today we're going to continue with our series, Fight Club. We're in week four, and I hope you've enjoyed the series so far. Let's, let's just pray for a minute. I just feel like we need to pray. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you're the God who loves us. You're the God who cares for us. You're the God who longs for our freedom. You're also the God who provides it. You're the God who sets the captive free. You're also the God that says once the son, once you've been set free, you're free indeed. And we thank you for that. We thank you and we praise you. And we lift up your holy name. No one's ever loved us like this. No one's ever cared for us like this. You wash us in your truth. You run the fear out of us with your love. And you're mighty and you're strong. It's your gentle and graceful. We bless you and we thank you for your presence in this place like never before. And we give you glory and honor for everything that happened over the last 12 weeks in every life group. We call them life groups, but you're the one that brings the life into the group. And we bless your name for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue with the series. Uh, this is week four. If you haven't kept up or you, this is your first time with us, you can always go back to oscconnect.com and listen to any of our previous messages. Uh, it's been a good series so far. We're, we're learning how to fight as Christians and not to fight with other Christians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a church that you can be a little bit vocal in. Just in case some of you forgot, uh, I'll preach better when you preach better. Come on, somebody. So today I want to bring a message to you, and it's called church fighting. Church fighting. Mm, now some of you instantly thought I'm going to talk about fighting within the church, like fighting with each other, and that's a good topic that we'll preach on another day. It's worth talking about, and we've had that happen here at this church, and I'm, I'm an old bouncer at a club, and when God saved me, he left the bouncer in me, and so we ran some people out that wanted to fight in the church because we ain't got no time for that, right? We got a real enemy that we're fighting. We don't need to be fighting with each other, right? No room for friendly fire. No room to be injured with friendly fire. Amen? And so I want to talk to you about fighting like a church or fighting as the church. And I want you to see something today maybe that you've never seen before. And I pray you walk out of here differently today. <clears throat> so I want you to understand something. The church, capital C, church, God's family, God's people, not denominations, God's, all the Christians, all the believers in the world make up God's church, capital C church. That's the church I'm talking about. The church of God is a force to be reckoned with. I'll prove it to you. When there's a, a presidential election or a, a governor election or any kind of major election, the person that's running is wise to go and try to get the Christian vote. Why? Because we're a massive group of people that have a lot of influence and a lot of power to change and dictate things. Amen? Amen? You may not feel that way. You may not even realize that, but it is the truth. The church of God is the most powerful force on the planet. 
And the day we realize that and the day we learn to operate from that will be the day we'll see the kingdom of God advance in miraculous ways. It's still advancing, but I'm talking about taking some ground. So let me give you a couple of technical things just to clear up what I'm talking about today. The first thing I want to show you is that there's the global church. This is God's military-like family of believers whose purpose is to advance the kingdom of God around the globe. So we're a part of that. We're a part of the global church. Then there's the local church, which is what we are. We're the local church. Our, our, our mission is the same, to advance the kingdom of God in our area, this area that we call Eunice, Basil, Iota, Lautel, Richard, Yep, Richard. Church Point, come on. Mamu, people in Mamu still need to get saved. Come on, somebody. Uh, everywhere that God wants us to go, we're going to go within our realm of reach and our realm of influence, right? So that's the local church. Within the local church, there's what I call, or the local church is like, I'm going to use a military term called a platoon. And we're not as massive as the global church, but we're a smaller organization, a smaller structure, a smaller family that still has the same purpose and mission, but we're more like a platoon. Within the platoon called OSC, we have units, which is groups of about 10, plus or minus. We call them life groups. In military terms, it's a unit. It's, it's, a, it's a very well-trained unit. It's a very close-knit unit. These are the people we do most of our fighting with. The people in your life group, Pastor Jamie, I'm always pushing you to life groups, right? Always, every time there's a sign-up, life group, life group, life group. I sit down with people to counsel. Whose life group are you in? Well, I'm not in the life group. Problem number one, you don't have a unit. You're, you're a part of the platoon, but you're trying to be Rambo or somebody. Ain't no room for Rambo. Okay, that's all right. It might be a full of Rambos in here, and y'all just all got offended. I don't know. But, but we have these units called life groups. So put your knife and your bandana away <laughs> and join a unit <laughs> for the love of God. But the unit's purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. Watch this. In their home, in their workplace, in their neighborhood, and their areas of influence. A unit can reach people that a platoon cannot reach. So... The church that refuses to recognize its real enemy will always fight amongst itself. How many of you have been a part of a church where they got more fighting going on inside than they do outside? More backbiting, scrapping, gossiping, talking, trash, this and trash, that, and you guys, ah, I run from churches like that. I'm like, oh, get away. Run, Forrest, Run. So let me show you what the church looks like when it fights together as a family. Go, to me, go with me to Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I'm going to say it. I said it in the first service. I'm a little bit cold. So Lisa jumps up because she's always cold. And she turns the air condition down one notch, one notch, just one. Because I go from cold to hot in a second. I know, miracles do happen. <laughs> Some of you are like freaking out. It's okay. It happens. Acts chapter 12. <laughs> if you've been here long enough, you know what that means. I'm going to show you a story of James and Peter. 
and the church. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. In other words, he was beheaded. His head was cut off. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter with the same intentions. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, watch this, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Can I say it again? The church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Watch this. Crazy. Just crazy. James gets arrested and immediately gets beheaded. And the Jewish people, the religious folks are happy. You you shut him up. You finally shut him up. Peter gets arrested next and he knows what's coming for him, right? He knows that they're going to do the same thing to him that they did to James and they're going to try to make a public spectacle of him. They're going to try to shame him and they're going to try to embarrass the kingdom of God by beheading Peter. Peter's first salvation comes when it's, when it's Passover feast, and they don't do that kind of stuff on Passover celebration, right? So he gets a salvation in the sense of because of God's timing, and he's put in prison instead of being beheaded, which is where we really see the story start to begin. Peter's sitting in prison, and the Bible says he's got one man shackled to this arm and one man shackled to this arm, and there's several guards in and outside of the prison cell that he's in. But the Bible says that Peter was asleep. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. I couldn't sleep with chains on my wrist if nobody else was attached to them. Much less with two dudes I don't even know. Come on, somebody. I just don't get used to sleeping with strangers. Can I get an amen in this church? <laughs> and you shouldn't either. <laughs> He's, he's sleeping in the cell, but he's going to go to trial tomorrow, and he saw what happened to James. He's heartbroken for James. He's anticipating what's going to happen tomorrow. Can you imagine how he's feeling? No, you can't. Because I don't know many of us in this room that would have slept that night. But Peter did, which begs the question, How? How do you sleep when you're about to lose your head? How do you sleep when you saw him do it to your brother the day before? How do you sleep when you've experienced sudden loss? How do you sleep when you're going through a crisis? How do you sleep when something's broke down in your life? How do you sleep? Peter slept, and when you read the story, you realize Peter slept hard. The angel had to kick him to wake him up. What's Peter got that we don't have? Because everything that Peter could get, we can get. Everything that Peter has in the story, we have. 
What did he have? Peter had an internal peace and assurance that no matter what happens to me, God's going to be glorified, his purpose is going to prevail, and we're going to win. If I stay on the planet, praise God. If I go to heaven, praise God. He had an internal peace that only comes from having experiences with a living God. You can't get it through your mind. You can't get it with religious words. You can only get it through experience. This reminds me of the story of Jesus sleeping in the boat that's sinking. You remember that story? The disciples are wigging out. Like, he don't even care. This dude's tripping. Like, well, how can he sleep in the middle of this storm? And Jesus laid up on old sack of rice, just. And they go, wake him up. What does he do? What's his response? He rebukes them. I wonder if he rebuked them because he was trusting them to speak to the storm instead of waking him up. Peter had something that some of us don't have. So let's unpack that for a minute. Peter, Peter's in prison waiting execution, and the Bible says that the church the church, the body of Christ, the believers are praying. How does it say it? Very. No, not just earnestly. Very. Say very. That's like more than just earnest. That's like earnest plus, right? Very earnestly for him. Let, let's break that down for just a second. Because earnestly means this. With sincere and intense conviction. Sincere and intense conviction. A couple of weeks back, I talked about the different types of prayer, the different types of praying we need to do as believers. Sometimes when we're praying for God's provision, it sounds a little bit this way. But when we're praying for God's protection, it may sound a little bit different. When we're, when we're involved in war-type prayers, it gets intense, and it gets emotional, and it gets heavy, and it gets strong, right? Come on, Christian. Like, like we're not reciting things we learned in children's church. In fact, we may rewrite a few things in children's church teaching kids how to pray some wartime prayers. They prayed very earnestly with conviction, with intense conviction, seriously, not lightly, not flipping, but with emotion. What's keeping you up at night? What's robbing your sleep? What's stealing your peace? What's stealing your joy? What has the enemy used to rob you? Was it disappointment? Was it discouragement? Is it failure? Is it tragedy? Is it a hurt? Is it a wound? What is it? What is it that the enemy is using to, to rob you, using to steal your joy and your rest and your peace? What is he using to steal that? Because whatever he's using to steal that was not meant for you to be robbed. It was meant for you to be empowered and encouraged by. Peter wasn't upset that he was in jail. In fact, most of these guys, when they got out of jail, they celebrated. Bro, I took some licks for Jesus. Look, bruh, got me a new one. 
That's some real tattoos, y'all. <laughs> what is it? What is it that he's using to rob you? And here's the next question. How long are you going to let him have it? I pray today that you stand up and you walk into the enemy's camp and you take back what is yours. That's my joy. That's my peace. I know I was discouraged. I know I was disappointed. I felt it. It was real. But it's not going to dictate my life. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep warring. I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. I'm going to keep going till we all get to heaven one day. Amen? Because I'm not settling for what he's taking from me. Enough is enough. Y'all better watch out. Next Sunday, I'm talking about how to fight like a mama. On Mother's Day. Don't mess with mama. I ain't going to give y'all no more than that. Y'all better watch out. (laughs) Peter must have had some serious trust in Jesus, but some serious trust in the church. question can you let people close enough and can you learn to trust people enough that when you're going through something you know they got you back or are you going to stay there feeling isolated and alone because that's right where the enemy wants you I think the only way you sleep at night especially the night before your trial is because your dependence is on a force greater than the force that is standing against you. That's when you get a good understanding that if God's for me, then who can stand against me? Amen. And you don't use it like a religious thing. You know it in your heart. You don't even need to say it. You know it in your heart. And that's where your peace is found, that whoever is for me is stronger than anyone who can stand against me. Amen. So Peter trusted three things that I want us to see today. He trusted his Lord. He knew Jesus and Jesus knew him. He didn't just have a relationship on Sunday. Peter knew Jesus and Jesus knew Peter. Peter trusted his destination. Huh. Yeah, he trusted his destination. What does that mean? That means you can take this fleshly body, but that's good. You're just giving me an upgrade. Like, I ain't afraid of dying because when I die, I'm going to start living. Come on, somebody. Oh, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It might hurt like hell, but don't worry about it. You're headed to heaven. That's all that matters, right? You're headed to heaven. He knew what his destination was. Then Peter trusted the church. And I'm telling you today. Right now, we got to get so close and we got to get so united and so well-trained together that we learn to lean on one another. We lock arms together. Nothing penetrates. You don't mess with my brother. You don't mess with my sister because you're going to get all of us, right? You're going to get all of us, not just one of us. Nobody fights alone. Look at verse 7. Massive word. Suddenly. Suddenly is boom. That's suddenly. If you were sleeping, 
Good morning. Glad you came to church. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to wake him up. <laughs> and he said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. I heard chains falling this weekend. I heard them falling all over the place. Chains falling, chains falling, chains falling. They still trying to clean up the building. All them chains done fell on the ground. Chains fell off his wrist. The, and then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. And the angel ordered him. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought he was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened up for them all by itself. Shazam. So they passed through and started walking down the street. Then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. Come on, somebody. He finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has said this angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. He went to sleep and he woke up free. What? Suddenly, boom, suddenly. You got to know that God can do something suddenly. You ain't got to wait 20 years for God to show up. He can do it right now. Right now. He can move right now. We pray that way. We believe that way. We live that way. And if it takes him 20 years, we celebrate him the whole way. A couple of things I want us to recognize in this, this portion right here is the church knew where Peter was. They didn't lose track of Peter. <laughs> like, where's Peter? I don't know, man. I ain't seen Peter in a while. They knew where Peter was. Watch this. And they knew the seriousness of what he was in. Oh, I've been a part of some churches. When they see you walking through some stuff, they talk about it, but they don't talk to it. Oh, they'll sit around and talk about, well, you know, I just, I hated that it happened to them. You know, I'm sorry she's going through this. Or, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's sad that he lost that. And, and uh, I hope it works out. I hope, I hope it all turns around. I hope the doctors can do something about his cancer. I hope, I hope, you know, I hope they find what they're looking for. And then they usually end with a statement that irritates the fire out of me. Well, all we can do is pray. What do you mean all we can do is pray? We're believers adopted into God's family. We're God's army. The first thing we do is pray. That's the first thing. It's our first response, not our last resort. We don't talk about it and then eventually pray. We pray and then talk about what God did. Amen? You want to talk? Talk about something good. They knew the seriousness of it, and they prayed earnestly, the Bible says. But I want you to notice something. Suddenly doesn't come until earnestly starts. 
Too many of us want the suddenlies of God, but we don't want the earnestly. Mm. We don't want to carry nothing. We don't want to have to believe for a while. We don't want to walk with somebody else's burden. We just want God to suddenly do his thing, and then we'll pray about it afterwards. But God said, no, I want you to participate in this thing. Amen? I want your involvement. Why? Because I like to do stuff with you, not just for you. Oh, because God's not here just to serve you. He's here to do life with you. Suddenly it doesn't happen until earnestly. Chains don't fall off till the church starts praying. Gates don't open amazingly until the church starts praying. Not gossiping, not talking about it, talking to it. They were going for it. The church got together in somebody's house and they just went at it. They didn't hold back. We're going to stay at it until God's finished with it. Amen? And we're not giving up. We're not stamping back. We're not walking away. We're not giving up short. We're going forward until God shows up. Many times in the book of Acts, praise, prayer, and worship precede deliverance. Precede deliverance. How many times were the apostles in prison and they sang a hymn? Amazing grace. And boom. He thought it was because he sang bad. God moved. That's all it was. So God moves at the pace of our faith, and he responds to our actions. Thank God this church didn't act like some of the churches I've been in where they talked about it. Thank God they went after God about it. Amen? Peter must have trusted that, though. Peter knew his people. Come on. Peter knew his people. That's how you sleep. You got to know who's fighting for you. Rest assured, we got you, bro. Got you back on this. Don't worry, girl. We holding you up. Come on. So the church has to refuse the natural and call down the supernatural. Why? Because we have the ability and we also have the responsibility to do so. We are responsible to call down heaven to earth. We are responsible and able to change the atmosphere around us according to our faith. We have the ability and the responsibility. Watch this. You know the Bible's funny, right? The Bible got some, it got some jokes in it. It's funny. So when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered to, for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody. I'm like, wait a minute. The brother just broke out of jail like the cops is looking for him. Like, let him in the house. <laughs> Peter standing at the door. <laughs> they didn't even believe her. You're out of your mind, they said. 
When she assisted, insisted they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. I pray that God keeps us in that place right there. Amazed by what he's doing. Amazed. I want to live the rest of my days on this planet amazed at God's movements. Amazed at God's power and his grace and his mercy. I want to live in all the rest of the days of my life. I want us to start hearing statements like, can you believe God did that already? Can you be- Man, we, we just prayed and God showed up. Oh my God, can you believe this happened? Can you believe? Amazed. But I want you to notice something. The church knew where Peter was, and Peter knew where the church was. The church knew where Peter was, and Peter knew where the church was. He didn't say Peter wandered around until he found the church. He knew where they was at. You think maybe that had something to do with him sleeping? He gets broke out of jail by an angel, and he goes, yeah, they're at Mary's house. I guarantee you, they're at Mary's house. He knocks on the door, and nobody wants to let him in. He finally gets in and he sees them and they see him and they go, wow, wow, look at what God has done. Are you seeing it? Here's a problem we have that's worth addressing this morning. Too many of us run from the church when trouble comes instead of running to the church when trouble comes. I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I watch people for a living. I'm responsible for the people that call OSC this platoon home. I will answer to Jesus for all of you one day. I take what God's called me to do very seriously. And I watch. And I go through all the gamuts of emotions for you. And with you. When you hurt, I hurt. When you celebrate, I celebrate. This is not a perfect environment. We, we could be easily called the first church of the first offense, right? We mess up. I'm not perfect. The church got messed up when I walked in. But too many times I see people, when trouble comes, when the enemy comes at you, the first thing you give up is the church. And it bothers me. You're running away from the thing that's there to protect you. That's there to help you. That's there to cover you. You're running out of your coverage. Peter didn't get out of jail and run for his life. He ran to the church. Why? Why do we run from the church first when trouble comes? Is it disappointments bigger than God all of a sudden? And now we got to get away? Why? I watch people, as soon as life gets a little bit heavy, quit serving. I'm like, you quit Facebook, you quit Instagram, you quit Twitter. You don't quit church. I go through stuff too. I ain't quit yet. Now, this is an environment of grace. If you need a break, we give you a break. Take a break. We, we allow room and grace for that, and we give people time. We don't put any unnecessary pressure on people to come back and serve. But listen to me. When life gets tough, I don't quit preaching. 
I don't quit pastoring. I press through it. Why? Because my God is greater than my problem. My church is here to help me, not hurt me. I'm not going to believe the lie of the enemy and run from my coverage. I'm not going to do that. I've been offended just as much as any of the rest of you. My feelings have been hurt. I've been disappointed and discouraged the whole time. I ain't quitting. I'm not going to quit you. You know why? Because you didn't hire me. God ordained me. So if I'm quitting, I'm not quitting you. I'm quitting God. Right? I always said if they fire me, I'll just sit outside until God gives me another place to go. Because he hired me. Nobody else did. Why do I do what I do? For Jesus and for you. Why do people run from the church? Why? It's a lie of the enemy. Isolation is the most dangerous place a believer can find themselves. Practical wisdom. If you feel like you need to run from, turn and run to. That feeling of running from is an indication that you need to run to. Just run to Jesus. Just run to the church. Just run to God's people that are anointed and appointed to help you. We got the weapons. The world don't. You okay with that? Some of you are. Some of you ain't. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. I still love you. It just hurts my heart. Can you imagine what God feels? Do you realize everything it took, all the things God had to do to build his church, the body of Christ? And yet we take it for granted. We start start believing it's a building, a denomination. What? So let me wrap up with three quick points and then we're going to get into baptizing some people. Come on, we're going to celebrate. How does the church fight together? Good question. Number one, we have to commit to each other. We have to commit to each other. There has to be a commitment, a solid commitment to one another that I will, this is what the commitment looks like. I will be offended. I will be hurt. I will be disappointed. I will be anything else the enemy or anybody would throw at me, but I am so committed. I'm not leaving until God says to leave. That's commitment. Commitment says, you know what? I belong to this family. I'm going to get involved in this family. Mm. Let me just step on that toe for a minute. I struggle sometimes because we're missing things. Like there's some missing components to what we do. Like there's so much more I want to go and do. There's so many more outreaches, so many people, more people I want to reach, so much more stuff I want to do with with kids and then our youth and all these other things. And I just want to run. I just want to run. I want to run. I want to run. And sometimes we have limitations. 
And I get frustrated with the limitations. I'm like, God, why? Why don't we have? And, and I just feel like he's telling me, you have everything you need. You just got people that don't want to give it. If we're missing anything, it's simply because people are holding back. Time, talent, treasure, some days, a strong back and a weak mind. Come on, somebody. We're miss somebody's holding their goods. Somebody's holding their talent. Somebody's holding their passion. Somebody's holding back. If we're missing something. I hate to show up for a job without the right tools. I hate to go to a gunfight with a pocket knife. <laughs> right? Hebrews 10, 24. Let me let God speak to you instead of me. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. 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 And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. <sighs> Don't. We give up too easy. We commit to each other. That's how we fight together. Number two, we keep track of each other. Notice the church knew where Peter was and Peter knew where the church was. Oh, we got to pay attention to one another. And this one's going to hurt a little bit because if you're going to pay attention to other people, that means you got to quit paying attention to yourself. Oh, my goodness. If you're going to think about other people, you got to stop thinking about yourself. Do you know sometimes what you need is found in what you give? That Peter was getting delivered and the whole time he didn't even know it. He didn't wake up till it was done. I got a friend of mine whose shoulder was just jacked up, just all torn up, and they kept telling him he needed surgery, and he kept believing God, and he kept trusting God, and he kept serving in his local church. He was a craftsman, and they were building a, they were building a, a new gym, and he told me, he said, I'm working on this gym, and every day I'm going home, and I'm having to take pills, and I'm having to take, I'm just dying. He said, but I just, I didn't want to quit serving. I didn't want to quit using my skills, and he told me this. He said, I was climbing an I-beam with a welding lead over my shoulder, and when I got to the top and I took the last reach, he said, I felt something go poop. And he said, God instantly healed me. Never had an issue again. To do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to move past you. I know you're going through some stuff. I know it's hard. I know it's painful. I know it hurts till it can't hurt no more. But listen to me. God has the ability to heal you and use you and move through you at the same time. We got to keep track of each other. Hebrews verse 24 in the amplified version says this. Let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and good deeds. If you find yourself discouraged, is it because you didn't invite somebody in your life who could have encouraged you? 
one of the blessings of isolation. So we keep track of each other. Number three, we communicate with each other. Oh, let me tell you. We ain't got neither room nor time for some religious talk. Religious talk gets us nowhere. I'm glad you know the Bible. You don't need to quote it to me every time we talk. <laughs> this might be the right service for this. We need to learn how to be real with one another. How you doing? I ain't good. I got a few people around here that are sitting kind of on this side over here. That if I, if I say, hey, how you doing? I respect that. I, I got a couple sitting over here. I just saw them. That, they, that they're just real. They're raw. I'm not offended by that. How you doing? I feel like hell. Okay. <laughs> let's do something about it. <laughs> Wasn't ready for this, but let's go. Right? I ain't got time for you. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. When guys tell me everything's fine, I want to go, can I call your wife and verify that? And I used to do that, but I quit because it just causes them to keep lying. So I'm like, no, nah. she's not home. Her cell phone's broken. I'm like, bro, you're getting deeper. It's like, quit. But we got to learn to communicate with each other. We got to learn how to be real with one another. We got to learn how to encourage one another and to lift each other up with our words. Amen? No room for religious talk. Religious talk gets us nowhere. If you're hurting, say you're hurting. Let's deal with it. I can't deal with what you won't expose. So let me give you a couple of good questions to ask while communicating with other believers or communicating with your platoon or your unit. Here's a couple of good questions. I would probably write them down. In fact, I did. Um, how are you doing? Now you say, well, yeah, I already asked that one. No, but I'm talking about digging in a little bit deeper. How are you doing? And when they give you the, well, I'm fine. Okay. How much time you want to waste talking? How are you really doing? Oh, I'm okay. How are you doing with God? Well, I'm not. Okay, let's deal with that. How are you doing with other people? Got some issues there too. Okay, let's deal with that. How are you doing? Tell me. Here's another question. Are you wrestling with anything? And then you back it up with, and can I help? Because I'm not trying to gain information. I'm trying to help you get out of a ditch. Another question. What are you believing God for right now? Because all of us need to be believing God for something. If not, you're stuck in neutral. How is your faith right now? Do you need anything? That's a, we do that one. We're, we're from South Louisiana. Let me know. Holler if you need something. I've said that and people go, ah! I'm like, oh, you need it now? <laughs> and then how can I pray for you with the intentions of praying for them right then and there? Like, I'm not going to go home and forget about it and act like I prayed for you. That's called lying. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you right now. How can I pray for you right now? We do this with my kids. How can I pray for you right now? You seeing it? We're the most powerful force on the planet. It's time to wake up. 
And it's time to fight the real enemy and stop fighting each other. We're not in competition with each other. We're on the same stinking team. Let's fight the real enemy. Let's lock arms together. Let's keep track of each other. Let's refuse to isolate. Let's stay committed. And if something's lacking and you got it, go, go, go do it. I got called the other day to lead, to lead the youth night. I was like, and I was, it was my week of vacation. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. That's a good break. I'm going to go talk to some teenagers. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else about that. <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> I had a blast. I don't know if they learned anything. I did. Why? Why did I do it? Because I could. So Peter gets broke out of jail, finds the church praying, leaves and goes to another place. What happened to Herod? Herod, all of a sudden, he was a hero the day before because he cut James's head off. Now he's a zero because they can't find Peter. The Bible says that Herod left. He left that city and went to another city. And, and because he, 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 he loved the praise of people, God hit him with a curse and killed him. Why are you worried about your enemies? God's got them. Watch what happened. Verse 24, and I'm going to wrap this up. Chapter 12, verse 24. Big word. Meanwhile. Like while all this stuff's going on, God's still moving. Yes. <laughs> oh, we got to get that today. While you're going through your junk, God's still moving. Yes. While you're going through it, he's still moving. He's still moving. He's still moving. He's still moving. Yes. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many, say many, many new believers. Amen. Wow. We can't afford to quit. You need a break? Take a break. That's fine. Take a break. Get some rest. Recover. I'm all about that. Because I want the best you. Just like God wants the best me. There may come a time where I need to take a break. I'll take a break. But it's not a forever break. I'm going to get back in. Why? Because my team needs me. Because the church needs me. I've received from the church, but I've also given to the church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you're doing, the amazing things, how you're working how you're moving. God, you're touching people's lives. You're advancing your kingdom. Your kingdom is being advanced in this city and in this region. I see it, God, I see it. You're moving in this church. There's some people that just jumped in with both feet and they just went through the process and you're moving in their life. You're moving, God. It's not complicated. It's very simple. 
We surrender, you move. We believe, you move. And if at any time you don't move, we settle with that you know something better than we do. And we still trust you. God, help us to fight like the church. I pray we get good at church fighting. That when one brother or sister's down, the rest of us jump in and pick them up and keep going. Sometimes we got to call in the medics to come in and help. That's okay. But when I'm healed up, I'm going to fight again. God, move in us. Move in us. Help us to unite so strong. Lock arms so good that God, the enemy doesn't penetrate anymore. We keep him on his heels, backstepping. God, show us how strong we are. Show us how powerful we are. Get us out of this settled position where this is just the way life's going to be. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I declare it's going to be like God says it's going to be. So move in us today. Would you say that with me? Would you say move in me, God? Get me out of my stuck place. I want to fight. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I want to give some of you an opportunity to meet Jesus today. Maybe you've been at church for a while. Maybe it's your first time or, and you've never given your life to Jesus. The Bible calls that being born again. You can be born again today. I want to give you that opportunity. I just want to simply introduce you to Jesus today. So nobody's looking around. This is one of the private moments of Christianity. Nobody's looking around. If that's you, raise your hand real quick. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else want to meet Jesus today? Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I admit that I'm a sinner and I've fallen way short. I need help. I want to be born again. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross paid for all my sins. And I believe that God, you raised him from the grave and he's sitting at your right hand today. So I want to make a confession. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. I surrender my plans to you today. Would you take over? Would you give me new life? Would you fill me with your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Come on, church.